Well, shit, we're starting oh. at 920 right now on yeah. our, our fucking side. So. Yeah, but I mean more like the how deep are you when it took us an hour and a half to get started and we're all. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We were trying. I kept drinking. Oh, yeah. That's why we're all so fucking far gone. <laughs> we all have like two or three drinks that hour and a half. We're trying to figure it all out. So by the time we actually got there, then we had two or three drinks during it. Yeah, <laughs> that'll definitely do it. Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Quadrob comes, and then record our thoughts and post them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners. Listening pleasure. And today, we have a special guest. He's been on the podcast before. He is the Reese Witherspoon expert of the podcast. Welcome Matt Thompson. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I, but I do want to understand why I'm the Reese Witherspoon expert. Aren't you because self-proclaimed at that? <laughs> it, I think it was said initially as a joke, and then I just made it a thing. Oh. <laughs> I feel like we had this discussion in the first uh, Reese, uh, Reese Witherspoon episode. Well, yeah, Sweet Home Alabama, I mean, it's because Matt and I both love that movie, and Matt insisted on being on the podcast if we ever did Sweet Home Alabama, and so therefore I just called him the Reese Witherspoon expert because she's the star of that movie. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you doing, Matt, on this night with, uh, with your wife and kid all at home there? I'm good. I'm good. I'm upstairs um, in might as well be a ball pit here uh, with the way my kids destroyed this room with literal balls from a ball pit. Um, You know, smoke's everywhere out here, so literally nobody's even going outside to do anything. And and I leave to go archery hunting on Saturday, so it's going to be fun. I for, I didn't even think put two and two together because I knew you were going hunting, which is why we're doing this middle of the week. But I didn't even put two and two together that the smoke for the wildfires are going on the West Coast. Yeah. yeah, but the good news is we're supposed to get a little bit of rain tomorrow, tomorrow evening in through Friday. So hopefully. Oof, fingers uh, crossed. Hey, here's the best news of all. We got downgraded from hazardous to extremely unhealthy today, so I'm good to go outside now. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Oh, my Jeez. God. I mean, like, you know it's bad when when sports are even, like, switching venues in order to yeah. do it. Like, that's, that's just insane. Like, what the hell is happening to this year? <laughs> like, seriously. Uh, yeah. I'm really just waiting on the alien invasion at this point. And then at that point, I'll just sit down and go, yeah, called it. That tracks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, Max, I mean, how are you doing? This episode's coming out the day before your birthday. So yeah. this is your birthday episode. Hey. 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 
like in a birthday yes. episode. Hey, and, I, no, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was just going to say, Max, I actually am getting you a birthday present this year, but I can't get it myself. So you're going to have to go pick it up for me. Why are you getting me a present? Because it's a bottle, it's a bottle of Malort. <laughs> I do not accept this gift. <laughs> Happy birthday, uh, brother. <laughs> on my 29th birthday, which was my first birthday here in Chicago, Matt and his wife Renee, I think we said it on the Sweet Home Alabama Yeah, podcast, we already said it. Yeah, this. we told the story. They came out. And that was when they first tried Malort because Max bought them shots of Malort because that was that's of course the Chicago tradition. And ever since you've had that shot, Matt, you've tried to find a way to buy it as a gag gift for Max for like four years, and you still haven't figured out how to do it. Because <laughs> they don't sell Malort outside of Chicago, basically. <laughs> Do you think DoorDash delivers? <laughs> I mean, I ordered alcohol from Max today and had it sent to his store. So the, the look of a, betrayal yeah. on your face, Matt, that moment I saw in your eyes, I created an enemy for life. <laughs> he tried to alert. Oh my gosh! It, it was it was like. It was like watching all the naivete just melt away. Like Matt finally realized I was capable of something so heinous. And he was just like, I never knew. (laughs) You son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. The worst part about that whole thing though is Renee doesn't, my wife Renee doesn't take shots. Yep. So yeah, and then and then the, a shot of Lord. I did, fucker, because it was my birthday, and I said I'd do it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even do the second yeah, shot. Yeah, you didn't do the shot. You Renee son of a did. Bitch. <clears throat> but it was my birthday, so it was okay. It was more alcohol, and that was back when I was a lush. <laughs> As he pulls up the tequila bottle, he's sipping from. <laughs> that somebody probably spit in I mean Renee probably did well yeah you got backwash and all that of course so it makes the tequila more flavorful if you ask me exactly yes Uh, well nonetheless (laughs) yeah well uh, we got it. No, no, no. We can't. We can't end there. We have to set you up for a transition. Well, I was about to give you my transition. Speaking of drinking, there's a you know you got to be 21 in order to drink. That is the legal age. Legal, legally blonde. That's the movie we watched since this week. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> that was a long walk. I I, I literally walked around the block. <laughs> You walked out of town. I walked out of town. <laughs> I came back into town. We're, we're in a neighboring suburb at this point. Like, oh man. Uh, so yes, we watched Legally Blonde this week. Uh, quite the chick flick. Rom com. 
We'll leave, that <laughs> uh, we'll leave that question up to you guys here. But uh, this is a movie that, of course, Matt, you've seen because you are the Reese Witherspoon expert. True. And it's a movie that you enjoy, correct? Not necessarily like love, 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 but you enjoy it. Well, we'll get back to that at the end of the show, won't we? I mean, we'll, you'll give the verdict that this is a movie yeah. you've seen before and you've enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have not seen this movie before. Um, really? I have never seen it. Me neither. Yeah. So, yeah. so <laughs> this was the first time I was watching it. Um, my ex-brother-in-law, he liked this movie a lot. It was kind of the antithesis of who he was. <laughs> and, like, he, uh, yeah, he, like, he was like a... He liked to go fishing and, you know, was in the National Guard and all this other sort of stuff. And he liked the movie Legally Blonde. That's very kind of, strange. You know, it was very strange. It was a strange, odd left turn in his I mean, personality. Whatever, uh, to each yeah. their own. But Yeah, you know, it is what it is. But <laughs> I never watched it before until today when, you know, I found I found a way to watch it without spending any money on it because I'm awesome. Anyway, <laughs> Matt, uh, you also have never seen it before. Do you have any, like, even any memories that it sparks from when it came out? No one, because it came out, like, around the eighth, ninth grade year. Yeah, all I remember is the, like, the image of her in the bright pink, like, uh, pantsuit. Or Mm-mm. maybe it wasn't even a pantsuit. Maybe it was a dress. I don't know. It was something. Reese Witherspoon in bright pink on the cover of seemingly every fucking DVD case back when DVD stores existed. Yeah. That's um, what I remember. Like, I remember and, being on the shelves for a long fucking time and being popular for a long fucking time. You know what other memories are brought up, which is which were the same memories that the that 10 Things I Hate About You brought up was the soundtrack. Oh, like the, the three, yeah. Like, from the end of the 90s to, like, right before 9-11, like, those, like, three to four years, besides, like, boy band pop and, like, pop punk, there was just, like, this middle fleshy ground of just, like, boilerplate, oddly made, like, pop tunes that could literally just, you know, dissolve into a wall. <laughs> it seems like this soundtrack had every single one oh of those songs. Oh, my God, yes. I was waiting for a Hillary Duff song. <laughs> I mean, we- we like, basically got it in Perfect Day by Hoku. Right? Holy shit. Perfect Day. <laughs> Which is at the beginning and end of this movie. I mean, they had to tie and, it all back up, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. also, there's a song by Lisa Loeb, who did the one hit Stay, I Missed You, from the mid-90s from the movie Reality Bites, which... That song is a banger, but she also sang the song that uh, is playing when uh, Elle is driving to Harvard Law School when the car is going across the bridge, and you hear the chorus of the song, and this, I want to read the lyrics that we heard. We could still belong together, and together is much better. We're okay, so hey... Don't worry now. Oh, wow. That was the chorus of the song we heard in the montage of Elle Woods coming to Boston. 
Oh, it's beautiful poetry, man. <laughs> that has about as much depth man. as as about anything else in the the dark. There's your, there's your reference. It's got as much depth as Mbop by Hanson. <laughs> oh, shit. Even Mbop, they, the fuck, they have the lyric, in a Mbop, it's gone. In a Mbop, it's not there. Like, Mbop is basically like, in the flat, in the flat, or blink of an eye, everything's gone and everything's moved on and everything's grown up without you. It's actually a really depressing song. Yeah, and, and so is Shooby Dub Dub Doob Dub. How the fuck did you read <laughs> into that so much? Like you, it just at one point you you decide you're gonna read the lyrics of Umbop because you're drunk and you're hearing it. You're just like, what the fuck did they actually say? <laughs> and then it sticks with you. <laughs> anyway, the wow. stats of the movie: *Legally Blonde* is a 2001 American comedy film. In in the on... in the wise words of those lyrics, oh wow, <laughs> oh wow, exactly. <laughs> um, Based on Amanda Brown's novel of the same name, scripted by Karen McCullough, Lutz, and Kirsten Smith, and directed by Robert Luketic. There's that name again. Who that? This is literally the third Robert Luketic film we've watched what? in seven weeks. Really? Yes. What, what other two films have we watched of his? I don't fucking know. Monster-in-law? That was him. Really? <laughs> yep. Uh, he directed that, and okay. he also directed another one. Um, I think it's eight weeks, not seven. Still, the one of the Jennifer Lopez movies. No, the, well, Master of Law is the Jennifer Lopez movie. One but, of the other uh, ones. <laughs> <laughs> the Ugly Truth. Oh God. So this guy. <laughs> so we've just shit all over this motherfucker's movies. Yes, this was the first one he did, and he's currently forty-six. This movie came out in two thousand one, so he basically directed this film. Like the actual directing of the film was happening while he was twenty-six years old. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just. He's directing a feature-length film for what? you know a big production company at 26 years old, which so, is impressive. So what happened after that? Like, did he have like a drug problem after that, and everything just spiraled, or like, how did his movies get so fucking bad after that? I, because he was constantly trying to chase the success of this one, which we'll get into here. Um. Anyway, Reese Witherspoon stars as Elle Woods. It's a sorority girl who attempts to win back her ex-boyfriend, played by Matthew Davis, by getting a Juris Doctor degree at Harvard Law School. And in the process, overcomes stereotypes against blondes and triumphs as a successful lawyer through unflappable self-confidence and fashion beauty know-how. Uh, Alana Ubach, <coughs> Jessica Coffield, Luke Wilson, Selma Blair, Victor Garber, and Jennifer Coolidge appear in supporting roles. Uh, so, Max, this movie came out... In- on July 13th, 2001. How long is the movie? Mm, hour and a half. Matt, you got a guess for how long the movie is? Uh, I was going to go in that ballpark. Um, 142. 
and it's right down the middle. It is 96 minutes. 136. Hmm. Yeah, it was on the shorter end. Yes. Well, yeah. (laughs) It was supposed to be, anyway. It felt all of the minutes that it was. (laughs) They they jam-packed a lot into it. Like, that's very true. They could have. Go- they, I, I, I was noticing like several different plot line, like subplots they could have expanded, and they didn't. And I'm like, fuck, this could have been a really long movie. <laughs> very much so. Um, the budget of the film is $18 million. How much did it make in the box office? Mm, Matt, I'm going to let you guess first on this one. God, you know, I'm torn here because I remember it being huge on DVD, but I don't remember it even being in the box office. Yeah, okay, I was thinking that too. But then again, I was 13 years old and really didn't care about Legally Bond, so... Yeah, yeah. Yes, these are all good points you're making. I'm kind of going in like the... 86 range? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. What was it again? 14 million was the budget? 18. 18 million. 18 million. I'm going to go with... 95. Wait, Renee, before you tell me the answer, did this come out before or after Sweet Home Alabama? This came out before. Okay. I'll stick with my original guess. The box office for this film was $141.8 million. Wow. So if you're wondering why uh, Reese Witherspoon found a lot more starring vehicles after this film and why Robert Luketic keeps getting jobs after this film, that would and, be why. <laughs> and there was a sequel made. Yep. And there was even a sequel. I forgot that rule. Damn it. I should have guessed higher. Yep, if there if a sequel is made, that means it was damn successful in the box office. <laughs> and gotta go at least five times unless it was a cult classic. What was the one that we were super surprised about that making a like a shit ton yeah. of money? I mean, we could say that about probably five to ten of these. True. Like I I'm I'm never not surprised by such a situation. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I, I want to start off the discussion of the film by going to our Reese Witherspoon expert. And just, what did you think, Matt, of Reese Witherspoon in this film? Just overall, her performance and just what you thought of her, just watching her on film, on this. Reese Witherspoon herself, I think, did a fine job. I think the character she was cast to be was way too out there to be like realistic to go from kind of flimsy bimbo type that they were trying to portray her as to like head of Harvard Law basically in a few months, more or less. Right? I, I think that that was kind of. Not that people can't make that change, but to make that change in your entire personality that quickly, mm-hmm. eh, 
I think it's a little tough to say. Um, okay. But I, I think she acted the part well, and I think she played the part well. I just didn't really like the part. Mm. Okay. What about you, Max? Uh, that that's a good way to sum it up. I I think I would agree to some extent. I I definitely liked her acting, um, and. I think she brought a lot out in the character just because of who she is. Like, if, I feel like it, the character would have been a lot different had it been anyone else cast for it. Um, mm. So I think there's a lot in that character that is Reese Witherspoon. You might have to like dig beneath all the, the very superficial, you know, surface level traits that the character shows. But um, so I liked that, but yeah, the character itself is just, it bugs me. I don't know why. I don't know what to put my, I guess, like you said, Matt, I think I, I had a problem with like the drastic change, but to be devil's advocate, I could see a possibility where you could say, well, maybe she had those traits to begin with. And she always had those traits. And we kind of see that in like, I guess if you want to dig deeper, some of her like interview videos and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's floozy type stuff and it's stupid and dumb and silly. But I guess if you wanted to try to dig deeper and find a, a, you know, an opposite opinion, I guess you could say something like, well, maybe those traits were always there and she's just adapting them to the Harvard lifestyle now instead of fashion. I don't, I don't know. You see, I'm grasping at straws here, <laughs> trying to trying to accept the character. But yeah, the character bothered me. So I agree that Reese Witherspoon performed it pretty well. Uh, but I disagree with both of you on that because I feel like through, you know, all the extracurriculars that her character does and through, you know, what she does to that salesperson when she's initially shopping at the very beginning for an outfit for, you know, when she thinks she's about to get proposed to and all that sort of stuff. She shows she has intelligence and she has smarts and she just never applied it to herself. So I can actually buy her getting into law school and being a good lawyer. And I feel like the movie actually did a pretty good job. So I'm not grasping at straws at that, Max. I actually think that that's what's going on here. Like she just never really applied her knowledge and, and ability to be intelligent toward something like this and all it took was a fire and a focus and it's just that she never really had that fire and a focus because no one asked that of her she Mm. was she was a self-starter to a point and then she found a singular fire and focus that made it to where oh all of a sudden i'm about this like this and i'm gonna get this and fuck all y'all which i thought was cool the thing that sucks the most about this character though is that you're constant whenever you see the character revert back, which is a majority of the movie, and like revert back to like these patriarchal stereotypes of a blonde, you're just disappointed. Like you're you you have so much more potential, and you're choosing to go back into this quote unquote dumb blonde. And it's you just, know what? Maybe that's what as an audience member. That's maybe that's what bothered me. Maybe that's really what it was. Because that, you're right. That was so fucking annoying. Because, like, every every chance she gets to, like, 
finally break free and have a little bit of independence. She does. And then, yeah, like you said, reverts a little bit. It's like, I, I know it's a process and everything, but as an audience, that's frustrating to watch over and over. I mean, like the alibi, the fucking alibi for uh, Brooke Taylor, where she was getting liposuction and she holds on to the secret that, you know, she knows she that she's innocent and, yeah, and this and that and the other. And it's just like, that alibi is literally going to keep her from, like, rotting in fucking prison. And... Your blonde ass is not allowing, is just letting her sit in prison right now because the two of you are so damn superficial about this. It's like, I, how can you be so smart and so dumb at the same time? I just don't get it. Yeah, well, I mean, I see what you're saying there, and I, I agree. Could you imagine how insufferable the character would have been if she literally just went from dumb the dumb bond character to harvard head of harvard law class of whatever with no, with no setback at all she's just like this straight from one to the other just no character yeah. development yeah that, that would have been good. even worse i argue well, th- that's why I'm saying it would have been nice. Uh, like it, the growth is necessary. Like I get, we need to see her. Like it's a process. She's not just going to learn overnight. But as an audience, I, I don't know how to change it. I just I know as an audience that was frustrating to have to like keep watching. Like, see, I I disagree slightly with you, Matt, in that I don't necessarily think that it's about her overcoming her like blonde stereotypes and like initial, you know. Dis- initial thoughts to go a certain way and act a certain way. And it's like, there was a, there's a definite other thing that they could have made this movie about. And that's overcoming the patriarchy. And like, they could have played more into like just the outside stereotypes as opposed to her being ditzy and not being ditzy so much. But instead of, instead focus more on the fact that uh, the professor is trying to hit on her and, and get in her pants. Like they could have made him more sleazy and focused a little more on that. They could have focused more on just on a lot of other patriarchal and, you know, just and also class like hierarchical just like, things. They, I, there's a lot more to, to like dig out of there, but instead we just came back to the, the jokes of, Hey, look at this dumb blonde do this. I, I get what you're saying. And, in 2020, that would have been probably the direction it may have gone. I was We're talking about 2001. Like, 2001, it was funny to be a dumb blonde and make dumb blonde jokes. Not to mention and, that that might be a tall order for 2001, Renee. Like, yeah, they hadn't had me too. They hadn't even had, I mean, 9 11 hadn't even happened yet. Yeah. By 10 years. What? What? 9 11 had, oh, wait, sorry, 2001. Uh, never mind. I was... there, there's there's my idiot comment of the day. There you oh, go. Oh my god. Oh, that's just god. That's inexcusable. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, happy Man. birthday, Max! You just heard Matt say that. That, that was Matt. I just, that I was just said the dumbest thing I've ever said. Congratulations, <laughs> Matt. That was truly the best birthday present you ever could have given me. I'm, I'm really so happy I... right now. I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I may not remind you all the time of this, Matt, but just know it's it's there and, and it's made me smile. <laughs> no. Oh man, I will remember this. Is it too late to blend it on the whiskey? <laughs> it's never too late to do that. Um, <laughs> oh god! Don't, don't do that. Don't ruin the moment. Somebody else talk because I'm gonna go cry in a corner for a few minutes. <laughs> I think we've let him bask in his glory for enough time. Oh man. Um, well, let's let's talk about the year like we we've talked about a little bit in like the music choices and everything but how did it feel looking at 2000 this movie encapsulates the time it really does extremely well like it it feels of its time that summer you know what i mean like just the everyone like wearing what they're wearing and like just everything about it just felt like the end of the 90s and the early 2000s and where we were at that time yeah the ivy league school the harvard sweaters oh yeah totally brought it back <laughs> i was thinking more like when she was in, in california i know <laughs> uh, oh my god her dude <laughs> her in a bathing suit dude like, all right, before, before we leave the Reese Witherspoon yeah. topic entirely here, which which we shouldn't do with one final input from, oh, without some final input from Matt, of course, but look, can we just spend a few seconds acknowledging how incredibly gorgeous she was in this movie? Yeah. Yeah, she was... She was a knockout in this. God movie. damn. Yeah. Most definitely. I I think the best thing to sum it up is at the very end when they're they're rolling the the captions of like who's doing what afterwards, you know. They did the what 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 happens after after for me. There's they did. They did. Yeah. And Luke Wilson. Well, I have one, but yeah. Luke Wilson's character pops up with the caption, and it's like. It, it came like right after a long, like not a still, but like just staring at her. I think she was in slow motion, but she's, it's just zoomed in on her face and it's slow motion and she looks fucking perfect. Like, I don't know if the lighting was just perfect or what, but she was like amazing. And I'm sitting there like gawking at her and then it turns to Luke Wilson and it says, he proposes, and I'm like, "You goddamn right, he fucking does." After that scene, yes, and then it says tonight, and I'm like, "Fuck yeah, man, at a kid." <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the Reese Witherspoon expert. Have any final thoughts on on how she looked? I mean, there's a reason they call me the Reese Witherspoon expert, right? <laughs> Does your wife call I, you that too? Uh, she knows very well where Reese Witherspoon, especially this era, Reese Witherspoon falls in my five. All right, that's just clear. So, so to be perfectly clear, where does Reese Witherspoon land in comparison to, say, Carrie Underwood? Oh, Carrie Underwood's not even in my top five. Really? What are your top five, Matt? Yeah, I don't even know. I haven't done one in so long I couldn't tell you, but I know that Carrie Underwood lost it when I found out she was vegan. I'm like, that's never going to work. So She's, she's vegan? <laughs> yeah. I love that your top five is somehow about plausibility of relationship afterward. Hey, 
<laughs> just saying. Dude, there's a moral code to the top five. As, as, as they say, once they go mat, they never go back. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so many things wrong with that right now. I can't. That was the, that was the opposite of you thinking – 9-11 is the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, that's... that's uh, yes. uh, don't. Don't. Just, okay, I already read that. Renee, write this shit. No, I mean, of course she's attractive. She was very attractive in this movie. She was very attractive back, uh, you know, a few years later when she played in Sweet Home Alabama. Um, I mean, I give it a 10. <laughs> <laughs> what was that from? Uh, from Varsity Blues. That's what that's from. I give it a ten. Yeah, I never see. Ten. I never, I never saw that, but I always heard that fucking quoted. You haven't seen Varsity Blues. I've never seen Varsity Blues. You never were there when we played the drinking game. The many times we played the drinking game. No. Wow. Wow. Wow, sir. Wow. Yeah. In the wise words of 2001 music. You mean 2011 music? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, 2011 music, (laughs) Matt. Matt ages differently. (laughs) Hey, Renee, on a side note real quick. Is that as bad or worse than Andy but SBO5? Oh, it's worse. 100%. (laughs) Like, are you sure? The, it, well, now it is. The, the fact that you're not letting it go yourself, like you're bringing it up. I'm just hoping that there's something I can do to make this up. So no, we're just, past that. Just don't just damage control at this point. There is no damage control for it. Like this is what you just said is recorded, and the tens and tens of listeners will hear it. Yeah. And what, it, <sighs> what, what Andy Butt did on our spring break, which you know Matt and I and a, bunch of our other friends we went on a spring break trip senior year and we and he had a and andrew butt had a boat uh and you know shout out andrew butt uh i don't know if he wants this story told on air in immortalized for him it's not it's there's nothing inflammatory you weren't there max so okay. uh, Make sure. <laughs> yeah. um, so and basically we all got on the boat and he had like a little radio thing to say. And I mean, it was a pretty long road trip to finally get out in the water, but we finally got out in the water on the boat. So he's kind of giving the first like speech. Cause we're going to be on the water for, you know, about two, three days. And he goes, you know, this is going to be the best spring break. Oh, five ever. He had got, he was, he was five years older than us. And this is the spring break of 2010. He had gone to spring break back in 2005 and he had accidentally mixed up his spring break from five years ago with the spring break he was currently having. So the joke then became is spring break 05 every time we cheers because he would just make fun of the fact that he was older than us and that he had mixed up the year. Yeah, Matt, this is worse. This is what, yeah, you, you mixed up a terrorist attack on the country of the United States of America to being. 10 years later. So, yeah, this is worse. (laughs) The terrorist attack that up until 2020 was essentially the defining feature of our generation, but... Until, you know, 
fuckface and COVID-19. Fucking fuckface and then fuckfaces everywhere else and then fuckface and fuckasses everywhere. And then fucking 2020. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, I think it also goes to show the quality of this movie that we're talking about other things right now than the actual movie itself after Reese Witherspoon. I wonder if it has anything to do with the director. <laughs> I think it's a mix of the director and the script itself. The way that the the novel was written is that this lady who was blonde had gone to Stanford Law School and got treated a certain way because she was blonde and you know read Cosmopolitan and was into beauty things, but also in law school. So she decided to or she had this kind of like story idea slash like you know just the experiences and everything else she ran into a producer type who then said get a manuscript like give me a manuscript of this and like we'll try to do something with it and then as she was writing the manuscript in the novel he found screenwriters to turn it simultaneously into a movie so i mean experiences from which honestly come from a spot where it's like there's definite like hierarchical and patriarchal concerns here in the life experiences being lived but we also are trying to you know turn this art into fucking commerce so let's go ahead and have screenwriters write a funny comedy off of this right it comes through in the quality of the movie where it's just like there's good ideas but it's still at the end of the day a money grab with this film (laughs) like they're just trying to get some ha-has and have people come see it in the summer right and and i think that that kind of that goes back to your comment about like wishing she had just like taken the leap a little more often and not reverted back to her default state. So I, I get, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying there that like every time she did revert back, it was for comedic effect and stuff and also for growth, you know, development throughout the movie. But yeah, it kind of seemed like it, it was always a constant reminder that, okay, yeah, this is just silly. Which, like, I mean, it is, Renee. Like, I guess I guess we can't really sit here and, like, pick that apart too much because it's, I mean, we're reviewing it as a fucking rom-com, so it's not supposed to be a serious movie or anything. Yeah, I mean, it's not even a rom-com, really. This is just fucking what, rom- this is what 2020 is doing to us. It's making us focus on, like, the societal deeper meanings of movies. <laughs> no, but that's the thing, like, it, it's, that's the thing, it, it's it gives us that it gives us bits of it it's just you know if if you have a movie like and i always go back to it because i love that movie but it's but it's not a serious or movie that should be taken seriously the wedding date if you go to the wedding date freaking girl buys escort to uh, go with her to uk wedding with ex-boyfriend there and there was a cheating thing and then you know let's see what happens like, rom-coms are very much like this, that, crazy thing. Let's go see them act there. Right. And it's just like, with this, it was just more of, here's a blonde girl's experience in law school. Which the, Well, the, the first, a, like, 20 minutes. Serious idea. <laughs> like, and then what they played it as. The, the first 20 minutes was kind of like a, a rom-com. And then it, like, disappeared. It became like a journey of self-discovery. The first half was slow and tough to get through, too. 
Yeah, and then she finally meets Luke Wilson, and I'm like, oh, is this going to become the love interest? And sure enough, he does, but did we ever even see them kiss? No. Okay, so is this a rom-com? Like, no, I said it. Like, I said it as a question early, and I've said it no a couple times. It's not a rom-com. It's a chick flick. So why did we watch it? Because... I thought there might be more wrong because I hadn't seen it. <laughs> and also, you know, we got the Reese Witherspoon expert. He's so, just right in the pine. So literally, <laughs> you just type it in into Google and it says, Legally Blonde is a 2001 American comedy. There's nothing about yep, romance. Com- comedy films. And it's got, and it's definitely at least a chick flick. So, Oh, wait a minute. It's it's labeled on actually if you go over yeah, never mind. It says PG thirteen, two thousand one, comedy slash romance. Boom. I mean, there's yes, there's a romantic element, but it's not a rom com. I mean, with that kind of uh, you know, like reasoning, they might as well like call action movies slash romance if the guy gets the girl at the end. Which is happening a hundred percent of the time, so of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just like Rocky is, you know, action slash romance. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but then, but like again, I mean, kind of is, but yeah. Dude, I'm yeah. telling you, we need to have an episode one of these days where we review like an action movie from a rom com perspective. Well, it would be fucking hilarious. Like we could see it as a as a rom com. That's up to you. You get to choose films. If you bring up a good enough argument for one, then maybe I'll agree. You have to bring up a good enough argument. Well, no, no, no. I, I would, I'm saying, like, the, hypothetically, we would, like, dedicate, you know, some future episode where we were going to, you know, sit down and comically, you know, review this certain movie that we've picked together from a rom-com perspective, you know? I just think it'd be fun. I I, I I get what you're saying. I just don't know what. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. I can't yeah. think of one off the top of my head either. But I'm I'm sure there's some good non rom com movies out there with like a rom com, like some sort of rom undertone or something we could review. Yeah. Um. I also forgot to ask you guys about the Rotten Tomato score for this film. Oh yeah. Uh, Max or Matt, what do you think the Rotten Tomato score for this film is? <sighs> well, considering Rotten Tomatoes wasn't founded until 2011, um, they do things retroactively. Like Casablanca has a Rotten Tomato score. Nah, I'm, I, so. I'm kidding. Jeez. Uh, sure it wasn't the other one. <laughs> oh, 2011. That was the reference uh, to come on, come 9/11 on. was in 2011. Come on. 2001. Stick with it. Like, if I'm going to get badgered for this, at least stick with the program. You're the one that keeps bringing it up, man. (laughs) Keep forgetting about it. Look, if I bring it up enough, it doesn't, it's no longer funny to make fun of me for it because I've just accepted it. It's funny again because we had already forgotten. (laughs) And we're not not the one seeing it. Anywho, um, Rotten Tomato score? Yeah. And it, Rotten Tomatoes does this percentages, right? Like 67% yes. or whatever? Yes. 
You know, this movie's just... Matt is stalling because he's uh, not good with numbers, clearly. No, I'm just trying to figure this out. I, I got two schools of thought, but I'm going to go with 58%. Okay, Max? Hmm. Looks a pretty solid guess. Fuck. Uh, 69%. <laughs> it is 70%, which Boom. also is the cutoff for being considered certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So this movie technically is certified fresh, or at least it's got a fresh tomato on it. Um, the critics' consensus basically says that though the material is predictable and formulaic, Reese Witherspoon's funny, nuanced performance makes this movie better than it would have been otherwise. Uh, I, some, pretty, I think I, I said that, actually. <laughs> yeah, some critics said that it was a lot like 1995's Clueless and that it has a brain and a heart. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, someone called it uh, a popsicle of a movie. What? Um, yeah. And, like, it was just, like, sweet this and that and the other sort of yada yada um there is a a bad review saying they've devised a potentially rich premise only to play it safe smoothing off every sharp edge and dumbing down any acerbic point and honestly that's more how i feel about yeah this. i was gonna say all right so at least we weren't the only ones picking up on these things <laughs> yeah um can i, mean, I give my analogy real quick Sure. I think this movie is kind of like a wet fart. Oh, Jesus. Continue. I, I mean this because you're going to laugh for a while, but there's a definite stink in the air. What the fuck? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I not get credit for that one. That one was good. That one was good. <laughs> I think Max's reaction. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the I think the the comparison is valid, but just Max's reaction is literally going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> um, I agree slightly. This is like being in the room next to someone who lets out a wet fart, where it sounds funny. So you laugh, but then you're just assaulted by the smell and you're just, and you're just like, I, the laughs weren't worth this. <laughs> I, I didn't, I only laughed for a little bit and now I can't breathe. <laughs> That's more how I felt about this movie. So what I'm hearing is we need to watch the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, we are not watching Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. Um, although, Reese Witherspoon supposedly, as of today, is still in the process of working on a third installment to get to production, so. Oh my god. Not necessarily of maybe her, but like of maybe like a, you know, new generation type thing, you know, like, like they always do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. As we talk about, there is no kiss of the film, really. Um, uh, yeah, there's, yeah. I, 
one thing you know there was one really good line in this film that caught me completely off guard and i immediately exclaimed when i heard it so when they first interview brooke taylor in prison and callahan is interviewing her and like mentions the age difference and why she was married to him and then she was like, and he says, like, the jury's going to wonder. And she's like, well, if they're wondering, why don't you show them a picture of his dick? Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, that I did, did not expect that line from this movie. And I also thought that was a fantastic line in that situation. It's a great line. I, I mean, I, I think I think many people would aspire to have that, that level of praise in their afterlife. <laughs> Many sixty-year-old men hope and pray that a woman half their age is saying that about their deceased member. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm dead kind of before my time because my, you know, bitch of a daughter with a weird perm shot me. But hey, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Wait, so that was. Daughter, was that daughter or daughter-in-law? That was that daughter. Was daughter. Right? Yeah, that was legit daughter. Oh right, it was accidental, and she meant to shoot the mother-in-law. That's right. Because she thought it was the mother-in-law. Yeah. Monster-in-law. Um. By the way, Linda Cardellini with a perm is going to is the perfect encapsulation of how absurd and ridiculous this film is. Yeah. Linda Cardellini with a perm. That is legally blunt. <laughs> I did, you know, I there were a few moments that did actually make me laugh. I I honestly didn't mind some of it. But like what? Well, I was taking note of first of all how they like I first mentioned that they compacted a lot of different things into one movie that I thought could have been in some instances maybe should have been expanded a little bit better to make it a, a better movie. But I did notice that they, they packed a lot in seemingly and I appreciated that they did it nicely. And for viewing that from a rom-com perspective, that's rare in rom-coms. But of course this now I realize does not adhere to that. Like uh, for example, like her friends that she makes in at Harvard, the, you know, the, the other, lawyer guy that she defends and slaps you know to to entice yeah the other yeah you know like yeah. her her social circle outside of just her romantic pursuits while at harvard that's a completely different like subplot that could have been developed or um fucking give the dog more personality man like we see this dog constantly throughout the movie like give him a subplot i mean the subplot was that they had a, a mixed feelings about the you know, kettle taco bell dog. <laughs> I mean, it's plain as day as far as what their <laughs> like their storyline was. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I don't know any any additional thoughts there, Matt. I mean, this movie is is what it is, right? I, I agree, it's not really a rom com per se. It's more of just there for comedic factor, right? Yeah. There's there's not much storyline. Um, 
it was similar to some of my favorite movies, right? Like Ace Ventura, Liar Liar, right? What? There's no storyline to these movies of any importance or significance. It's just a feel good. Yeah, Renee, I think There's nothing you, wrong with that. I think you summed it up perfectly by saying this was the quintessential 2001 film. I think the reason. Uh, I think the reason rom-coms were such a popular genre is because like this movie, they're feel good films. And back then, like that was the trend. Like you, it wasn't huge plots necessarily. It was just feel good entertainment. And I think it's teen rom-coms. That's the other thing. Cause this is a, this is a teen rom-com. Like it's first year of college. Well, technically like early twenties, like cause yeah. this is first year of grad school. But, um, but yeah, like teen rom. This is kind of a teen rom com, and like there were yeah, a shit young adult, teen, yeah. like young adult teen rom coms in those late nineties. I mean, you had the American Pie movies. You had like She's All That. You had Can't Hardly Wait. You had all these other sorts of things. And then after, and I feel like that was huge pre nine eleven. Then once nine eleven hit, everything kind of halted, and then it was just like, I mean, then you kind of have Sweet Home Alabama. Like I think that came out two thousand two. And now it's more of just like, you know, the down home being home kind of like, you're like going back home and feeling you know, safe in your, in your area sort of thing. It's kind of like the vibe. Right. And teen rom-coms kind of fell off because like, you know, I don't just like, because teenagers kind of lost for, their innocence. For, for whatever the reason. I mean, there's probably a yeah. million reasons, but. And then, well, and then Netflix has had a renaissance of it like over the last five years where they've been doing teen rom-com. So all the boys have loved before and all the other sort of stuff. What were we going to say, Matt? Oh, I was just going to say it, it's more than just the, the film industry from kind of the, the mid-90s into the into 2001, but it was also the – that's kind of the – what that era was known for was kind of focusing on the teenager, everything from like boy bands, Hanson, Insane, Backstreet Boys, young Britney Spears. Like True. it was kind of, it, it, I think it was more of than just movies focused on. It was kind of a cultural, like this is the popular place to be right now yeah. is focusing on the teen. Hell, I thought uh, in the opening shot, I thought one of the girls in sorority was Britney Spears, like as a cameo. <laughs> and like, I had to like sit on the edge of my seat and like look closer at the TV. I'm like, is that fucking Britney Spears? And I was like, no, it's just that every girl in 2001 sororities looked like Britney Spears. Man, that's how they got teen. Wow. Like, that's a great point, Matt. And like, that's how, like this movie is a part of a, you know, time capsule of how brands and just how people targeted the 18 to 24 demographic or like, or actually like the 13 to 24 demographic were, you know, at this time of just this generation, it was through movies and music, you know, and, and TV shows like that, that was the way that, you know, brands and, you know, culture reached out to teens before that in the eighties, like in the early nineties and like late eighties, it was more malls. Like that's where like malls started hitting off and that's where kids went. 
And so malls were kind of the place where all like the culture happened and like, in, especially in like the late eighties and, you know, so on and so forth. And now it's all happening on social media. Like that's where teens are now. And so everything's happening through like the culture is moving through social media. And, then, and I think it was the digital age too there, right? You have the transition into the digital age. So the companies are trying to find different ways to reach them. And so they started doing it more through, I mean, music like, and movies and use of some of that digital stuff, music yeah, videos. Moved some of it, they moved some of it to like in the like early 2010s where they moved it into websites like E-Bombs World and Funny or Die and the YouTube generation where it's just like, now we're going to move it into like these smaller compact pieces of free entertainment to put our brands and our commerce and our economy through to teenagers, you know? Holy shit, I... I wasn't high enough to get this deep into the you know to discussion based off of the film of Legally Blonde, but here we are. <laughs> well, I was thinking as we were talking too, Renee, I was thinking about also TV shows and how they related yeah. things like Full House and Malcolm in the Middle and um, Boy Meets World and like like that was the popularity of kind of mainstream TV at that time, and now it's more you know, kind of mystery, murder mystery, mm. you know, action type shows that are kind of hot right now. Yeah, I mean, you don't really see sitcoms and as far as like, if it is a sitcom, it like family units are kind of a, you know, there's a couple of them, but a lot of them are workplace where it's just like the work family and the and the makeshift family yeah. outside. You know, I was I was also gonna say that there's not a lot of comedies like that. It's it's not exclusive comedies anymore. It's like like you have Marvel movies that are mixing comedy into action movies just to get some comedy exposure, but there's no like there's no real dedicated like like you said, sitcoms where it's just like pure, you know, funny you know, like a group of friends or a, a family or, you know, something like that. It's lighthearted and simple. A lot of comedies now have some sort of darker element or maybe a social theme that they're, you know, trying to spread the moral about as well. And so it's like, I guess those, those, those genres changed with time too. Like as our society got a little more complex, I guess so do, so do the genres. Well, and that's because comedy when presented in art it's supposed to play something that's silly and unexpected in a serious manner. And that's where comedy is. Like you have to play it serious and straight. Right. The thing is, there just aren't a lot of, you know, silly, unexpected things in the world right now. So when yeah. you play something serious and straight, you're going to have shades of gray. Because yeah, exactly. Because you can find comedy in a, in a situation, but you can also find the sorrow in situations just as easily. The actors show everything. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, yeah. that, that is so, what it is. So then how, I guess I'm a little confused. I, how are we saying this This relates, the, the legally blonde personifies this then? Like, what's the connection that we were drawing? Well, I, we were just drawing just like how, we were, we were talking about just like teenage rom-coms. And how they mm. kind of went away after 9-11. And my, my oh, point, oh, oh, I see, I see. My grand point was going to be like 9-11 was definitely, it definitely changed the culture of, of movies. And it's, 
you know, since we lived through it, it's hard to kind of recognize the demarcation point of the change in culture. Right, right. Now that we're almost 20 years past it, we kind of look back at the, you know, the pieces of art that were created at that time and see the effects of real life and something so drastic in real life on these pieces of art, which is really interesting. It, it, it's you know it, it, we're basically we're able to open the time capsule that we buried 20 years ago we by buried i mean the therapy that we didn't take and have after seeing such a traumatic thing of the two, two twin towers going right right yeah and i mean well of course, how do they implode as well when you get hit at the top of the tower don't even fucking get me started <laughs> i know that i know max i know Jesus <laughs> Jeff Fuel can't melt steel beams, though. Steel you beams know? encased in thick concrete, but all right. <laughs> yeah. Just, that have been uh, I know, I'm pre-structurally stressed and tested. And, okay, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, although at the same time, we don't know the effect of having, you know, three to five floors of windows all of a sudden open up, and now that wind and all that extra damage and pieces and everything, you know, tend to affect the a building so we don't necessarily like we have a an educated guess but we don't necessarily know for sure because that doesn't usually fucking happen yeah yeah so uh let's pray it never happens again i see it but yeah let's let's definitely pray for that uh so as we've talked about there is no kiss in the film um i think matt might be back from making a drink he texted us saying he was he had gone to make himself another drink oh hang on a second i just thought of something when you said this came out in september July. right oh I, I thought it came out in september damn it <laughs> this, this did not this was not like false alarm <laughs> i did not realize anything <laughs> i just i wanted you to make some absolutely absurd point about like Maybe the Taliban and Osama bin Laden. No, I'm, I'm I'm getting I'm getting better. I'm doing my fact checking first now. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Be- so, before I launch into a, a fucking tirade or long ass point, yeah, I'm like, let me ask questions right. first. That's a, that's that's usually a pretty good idea. So, yeah. um, there's no kiss to the film, and. What happens after ever after pretty much is done for almost everyone. But there's one person that it was not done for. And that's Professor Callahan. (laughs) Who made a pass at Elwood's. That motherfucker. But at the same time, you know, her boyfriend, Luke Wilson, you know, quits the firm. And, you know, calls him an asshole. But they do the typical 2001 thing, or basically the typical thing before Me Too, which is through, you know, fear and everything else, all the other things, which, it, you know, there's no... It's it's a definitely a reaction that a lot of people have toward this sort of thing. They do nothing. They, they don't... I, I mean, there's no real reports of Callahan getting his comeuppance or, I mean, he's still in the courtroom, be, like 
the big shot lawyer that he is, and he almost keeps her from working the case, even though he legit hit on her and like rubbed her thigh like in a very sexual harassment way less than twelve hours ago. You know? Yeah, like, I don't understand how that's not like for Callahan. She's she, that's her professor and employer. How is that not sexual harassment? Well, yeah. well, she doesn't pursue it. That's the thing. No one pursues these things because they didn't get far enough to where it was considered like violent and traumatizing. It's just he's a prick, you know, which is what the other professor calls him. <coughs> but my what happens after ever after is that he gets to continue his career and he becomes a politician and he becomes <laughs> a democratic senator for the state of Massachusetts. Uh. who then decides to not run for another term randomly and abruptly because of rumors and murmurings of of certain behaviors <coughs> that he may or may not have you know partaken in with other female staffers and after settlements and non-disclosure agreements, no one really knows, but everyone really knows what happened. Jesus. And that's what happens after <laughs> Professor Callahan. I can see that. I can definitely see that. That motherfucker. So, <laughs> let's get the verdicts <laughs> for the film. I liked Matt. him so much up until that, too, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Matt... What's your verdict for this one? We're doing the Mary Fuck Kill, I'm guessing. That is correct, sir. Okay. Um, this is a fuck movie. It's not something you want to live with every day, but it's got funny parts and it's entertainment in a certain way. It doesn't have much of a plot line, but it's it's plenty funny enough to watch again. In once or twice, but it's not something you're going to want to watch very often. That's well said and well put. Max? Uh, I agree. It's a fuck for me as well. Um, I mean, I, it got a few laughs for me. Uh, there were, like I said, certain things I appreciated. I, I also noticed her outfit progressively gets less pink throughout the movie, which <laughs> my eyes appreciated. Um, you know, there was some, there was some good stuff. It was, it had some good stuff. I, I, of course I loved the, the themes and the morals it was trying to convey, but you know, I just think the execution could have been a little bit better. So it's a fuck for me. I agree that it had some good bits to it. You know what I mean? It had some good bits as far as, you know, showing, you know, what the self-confidence for Elle Woods could do and her, like, you know, standing up and, you know, disproving these stereotypes and, you know, showing, you know, what, how shitty the patriarchy could be and everything else like that and, you know, so on and so forth. Like, I get how there's just, there's good bits to this. But for me, a pet peeve of mine is... Those who know better but still choose not to do better. And it feels like this movie 
knows that there's more like there's better storylines that there's a better movie within you know go going a little more serious with this uh, script but instead they go for broad comedy um you know like a uh ups man and you know jennifer coolidge aka steffler's mom doing (laughs) her going to get her dog back and all sort of sort of stuff and they just choose and you know they have a fucking dance break for the bend and snap yeah yeah see that was a subplot that didn't really need to be developed like they didn't do anything with it you developed this whole subplot and then then what well then then you break the ups man's nose but then by feeling so bad and taking him to the hospital you finally actually you know talk get to know each other and they're then actually get together you know instead of just doing that in the first fucking well, okay, so, I, I take that back. I guess they did kind of develop it then. I'd forgotten about that, that they end up together. Yeah, because, I mean, they're having a daughter, and they're going to name her L according yeah. to the captions. Right. But, see, so, I, yeah. I disagree. I, I think that that part of of the film specifically was sort of an important part in the development of the character of L throughout the movie. I say that because she had to learn to love what she loves and not be afraid of that. Right. And by teaching Stifler's mom to be confident in who she is and teaching her how to be, you know, for lack of a better, I don't mean teaching, but whatever, mm-hmm. teaching her how to be sexy again and how to get a guy again and like that she has everything that a guy would want. It kind of helps her develop the idea that like all those things I was are still okay for me to be and I can be a lawyer. Which at the end is wrapped up in the, you know, how she dresses in court and that sort of thing. Yes. And I mean, and also the symbolism of how that professor at the very beginning that kicked her out of class is in the beauty salon telling her to not give up and, you know, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Like, there's a lot of symbolism within that beauty salon. Once again, there's a whole lot there that could definitely be fleshed out into a pretty good movie. First, See what I mean? Let's Concise. Go ahead, let's go ahead and dance break. And hey, someone else knows how to do the bend and snap. Oh, hey, this gay guy is never, fi- it's never failed for him. <laughs> I killed this movie. I killed this damn movie. This movie sucked. <laughs> I didn't like it. I killed it. Wow. Robert Lukedic has made three films that I've killed. Fuck that guy. If we do a fourth, then something's gone horribly wrong. I gotta find or Max what just other. Me. I gotta find what other movies he's done the and just pick one. The only other possible rom com is Killers, and I will not allow you to choose that movie. Because What's his I'm name? Not doing it. Robert Lukedic. Oh, I started typing in Richard. I already forgot his fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> While Max, how the fuck do you spell his last name? I'm not telling you because you're trying to mm. find a way to troll me, and mm. I, you can kiss my ass. So. While Max tries to figure out how to troll me, I'll go ahead and give our socials. So the show's Instagram is Bromancing the Stone Podcast. That's all one word, Bromancing the Stone Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, Bro the Stone Pod. Uh, I was going to do it this week, but I didn't. Uh, but next week, um, I'm going to be live tweeting when I watch the movie, my thoughts, and then. Um, and then you can kind of get like a sneak peek of episodes yeah, yeah, yeah. from the Twitter account. Um, 
So I'll be using the hashtag of like the movie title, unless the movie title is like really stupid long. Um, but yeah, just hashtag the movie title when you hear it at the end of an episode, and then you'll be able to look that up, you know, and whenever I decide to watch the movie. Um, and that'll be on the Bro the Stone Pod Twitter there. My personal Twitter is Supermarket Sweep, and that's without the E in Super, so S U P R Market Sweep. And then my Instagram is relusa88. That's R E L U S A eight. And then Max, uh, you can find me on it. Instagram at the Lionhearted, which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. And now you can find me on Twitter. Although I am warning you, I don't really post, so um, that could change in the future. But for but now, when you when you favorite and like things, other people will see what you favorite and like. Or if you retweet something, they'll see what you retweet. So they'll there know you go. What you're feeling. Yeah, there you go. So you can find me on Twitter at uh, the Lionhearted as well, but this one has an underscore. So it's T H E underscore L Y O N H E A R T E D. Boom, boom, boom. And then Matt, I would I would say drop your socials, but you don't have any. Yeah, don't worry about my socials. I'm not very social. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still stuck in 2011. So you know what? You know what? I got a social for people to follow. Uh, your wife, Renee Thompson, is doing the social media for your family's farm, Thompson Farms. There you go. Max, you you also should start following. uh, On Instagram, Thompson Farms 1947. So Thompson being T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N and then Farms 1947. You'll see pictures of Matt's dad, The you know, out there picking you know fruits and uh veggies and honestly the produce at tops of farms has never been less than top notch so they're they're the damn best if you're in oregon get yourself some goddamn thompson farms so there you go there's that there you go next week it's your choice for a film and also, your birthday is tomorrow from when this episode comes out. So, as a little birthday gift, besides the alcohol I've sent you, what, what would you like to choose for a film next week? Well, I think I'm going to get us back on track after a movie that you've killed with one of my all-time rom-com loves in Sandra Bullock. You keep trying to bring her back. I keep trying to bring her back. Are you actually going to pull the trigger this time? I'm going to pull the trigger this time because I found another Sandra Bullock movie on the list that I'm going to, I'm going to hold off for the winter, which is what I was originally planning for. All right. So this time. What are you doing over there, Matt? Yeah. What is happening? Nothing. Are you digging a tunnel? Am I digging a tunnel? That's kind of what it sounds like. Oh, no, I'm, I'm actually digging a hole for me to just lay in for the rest of the night. Following <laughs> you, you fucked up that bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's trying to build a time machine to go back to 10 extra years that 9-11 actually was. <laughs> bravo, Renee. Bravo. Thank you very much. Thank you.
<laughs> Max, what movie have you chosen for Sandra Bullock? Next week, we are watching Two Weeks Notice. All right. So we're going to watch Two Weeks Notice starring Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant. I've seen it once before. I don't really have many more memories than I saw with mom. And Do you remember it? We both shrugged our shoulders afterward, and I don't remember much of anything from it. So that's oh. a good sign. Um, oh. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how that one goes next week. So two weeks notice. And also, you know, keep an eye out on the Bro the Snow Pod Twitter. You'll see me, uh, me reactions um, <laughs> next week uh, when I, or this upcoming, this week, I guess, when this comes out. Uh, when I watch it, so damn. So this will be the first ever live tweet of a movie we're watching. Yeah, well, I've live tweeted before. I mean, I mentioned how I came up with the idea of the podcast when with my like live tweets and live Snapchats of the movie Love Actually. That was the whole reason I started with the idea of doing a podcast for. Rock yeah, Rocks. but was, I this was the first time we've done a podcast. That's very true. Yeah. Matt, do you have any feelings on two weeks' notice before we let you go? Never heard of it. There you go. He's only a Reese Witherspoon expert for a reason, guys. Anyway, <laughs> to the tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all. We thank y'all. Matt Thompson, thank you very much for joining us again. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It's always of fun. Course. Of course. And we'll bring you back the next Reese Witherspoon movie we do down the line. There's, I still think there's a couple more. I, I know of at least one more. But until then... We will catch y'all later. Have a good rest of the week. Love you guys.